This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Listen, folks, Natalie's got a great track record when it comes to selling homes. On average, she's moving homes for $4,000 or more above the list price, plus she's selling homes in less than the market average. What does that mean for you? It means you don't have to keep your house clean all the time if you're selling it. If you're a buyer, no one wants to wait around for a year, two years to find the perfect home. Natalie is going to work her tail off to make sure that she finds you the right home at the right price, and she's going to represent you through the entire buying process. So it's kind of like holding a hand to get across the street. Natalie is going to be that Girl Scout who grabs your hand, pushes the walk button, gets you across the street and then points you down the street to where you need to go. If you're selling a home, Natalie is an amazing person to represent you. She's going to keep you top of mind on all these search engines, all the stuff that you have to worry about. Don't worry. Natalie's going to take on that headache. You don't have to deal with it. So get a hold of Natalie today because on average, she sells a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Sometimes uh, Natalie's selling enough property to make you think that she's an entire team herself. But no, she is the Wonder Woman of local real estate agents. Natalie Deutsch, 701-388-9338. You can also get a hold of her via email, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at hatchrealityfm.com. Or you can go to the Hatch Realty website, livefargomorehead.com. That is livefargomorehead.com. And hey, start packing. Hello, podcast listeners. This is your host with the most, JJ, coming at you to tell you about today's episode. First and foremost, Tucker kicks off our intro. It's a very special episode. And don't worry, he doesn't quit. Uh, Get that out of your mind right off the bat. And uh, we have a wonderful discussion about his many fine qualities and where he lacks on others. And then our guest, Amber Parsons, the uh, person behind Midwest Mud. Boy, oh boy, we talk about a little bit of everything. This is a very fun conversation. We find out that I used to sell her vitamin water way back in the day. That's right. You'll have to listen to the rest for more. If you want to support this podcast, you're going to go to patreon.com slash JJ Meets World. Every dollar helps. We're coming up with some sweet merch, folks. So head on over there once you're done listening to the episode. And thank you so much for tuning in wherever you are to JJ Meets World. One, two, three, four. J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always sniffing out his next adventure. Yes, he is. He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets JJ, do you remember, this was just a day or two ago, I believe, you were in my car, and you said, hey, bud, you should really fill up your gas tank. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I, I think I got enough. Yeah. In fact, I in- indicated that maybe you should do it while we're together. You can just pull over. No big deal. Spending some good quality time. Right. And you didn't. Turns out you were right. Yeah. I should have. Uh-huh. Two, two nights ago, I'm hanging out with my girl, mm-hmm. Erica. Previous podcast. Shout out to Erica. And we're going to go get some food. And it's like. Hold on. What food were you going to get? We're going to go to frying pan. You know, frying pan. Yeah. Okay. We, we wanted to go get um, lo mein, but it was nine o'clock. So anything with lo mein was mostly closed for the most part. So you go to frying pan, just be like, get food. 
and it's negative 21 below and my car runs out of gas. And I had to call AAA. Mm-hmm. And I also had to call my little brother Solomon. Shout out to Solomon. Uh-huh. And he came and sat with us to keep us warm. Uh-huh. And then AAA said it's going to be two hours before they can get to you because mm. they have to prioritize other things. Yeah. Luckily, that it was tur- super cold. I'm sure they're jumping cars. Right, all sorts exactly. Of stuff. But that two hours became eight minutes, and it actually worked out in the end. Well, that's good. But you were right. I should have filled up my gas tank, and that's why I wanted to interrupt you and uh-huh. and actually be the person that kicks this episode off by talking about a rule that my grandfather would say that I obviously didn't follow, which is you fill up your gas tank once it's half empty. Yep. That is when you fill up your gas tank. Have you always lived by that credo, or what is your gas tank philosophy? My gas tank philosophy is this. Uh, it Just like going to the bathroom, you never turn down an opportunity. So if I find myself with an extra 15 minutes and I'm driving, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop and get gas no matter what. So even if I've only got a quarter of a tank down, mm-hmm. I prefer to have my tank as full as possible because I've had several instances in my life where I need to get in my car and drive 400 miles, right. like that moment. It, whether it's a family emergency, uh, medical things, just those things that happen where all of a sudden, you know, like pulling over for gas becomes right. the last thing you want to think about. Right. So in the car, I've got two rules. Rule number one, never pass up, up an opportunity to fill up with gas. You've traveled long distances with me. Yep. You know how often I, I oh, will yeah. pull off the interstate for gas. I'm not going to wait until it goes low fuel and be like, oh, shit, we only have 40 miles right. until the next fill up. Number two, never back up further than you have to. That was something that my uncle, great uncle, taught my mom when she was driving and all of her sisters, and now I take. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yep. So let's say you're backing out of a parking space, right? Yep. So you're backing out of a parking space, and there's probably an extra six feet behind you, but you've got enough room at this point to make the turn and get out of the parking space. Some people will back all the way up so they can have a nice wide berth of a turn, uh, or they'll be backing up like into well, you you park down at the in the lakes area, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, I assume you're parking kind of up against some trees and some things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, his philosophy is you never back up further than you actually have to. So thinking that I'm going to take this extra couple feet and really you know put my car back in this space, no, you don't have to. Don't do it. That's when the accidents happen. Uh, That's when you do something like you back up so far that you can't open your trunk anymore. Got it. Little things like that. Right. So, And I think about that all the time when I'm driving. Never back up more than you have to. Right. Okay. I do the same thing with snowblowers. Oh, snowblowers. Oh, I do have a clear driveway now. You, you got one. So at the time of recording, we are ha- – so they tell me that this is a mild winter snow-wise for us. But I'm calling shenanigans because it seems like we have mountains. I wonder if that's because it averages out over time. So if we had the same amount of snowfall, but in a previous winter, it didn't all hit us at once like this did. So uh, the last time Fargo had a major flood, like like the the beginning of that three-year cycle that we had, 2009, we only have about a third of the snow that we had that, that year. Got it. I don't remember drifts like this. In 2009. I remember them in 96 and 97 when Fargo had a major flood. Right. So. Yeah, the, I guess the flood that followed it um, is the thing that makes you, that takes up all your memories. Yeah. So you just remember the winter was bad. Um, I think we had, it all came down at once. 
Like we just got hit with so Boom. much of it day after day after day. Like people were snow blowing and then snow blowing and then snow blowing. And I waited to the very perceived end of it. We probably have more coming. Yeah. And then finally hired someone because I don't own a snowblower. Uh, here's a question. So were you concerned about your gas line freezing at all? Like when you're that low on gas and it was that cold? Oh, no, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I really should have, mm-hmm. for sure. You don't have a great track record with cars. I have a terrible track You've record with cars. You've got many amazing qualities, but car <laughs> care and maintenance is not one of them. I do not respect cars. No. I really don't. No. I really don't. Money and cars, I don't respect those two things, which is really unfortunate. But like I said, you've got so many other great qualities. Yeah, I'm getting better. I mean, yeah. I mean, we have friends that have done far worse. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to feel too bad about myself. I just know it's a, it's an area that needs improvement. If if you th- think of like the, the, the grade uh, report cards from elementary school, it just needs improvement. Yeah. Right? Not some, fail, needs improvement. And the thing is, is sometimes people just concentrate on other amazing things like their brain is so full of creativity or art uh, or those people who are amazing with numbers, like my sister, who just like can look at a spreadsheet and understand it immediately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's you can only hold so much in your brain. Right. Right. And some of it just gets pushed off. Um, in fact, that re- in this episode today, you'll find out that we know a lot more about Patrick Swayze <laughs> than we let on. Uh, our guest is uh, Amber Parsons, and boy, oh boy, is this a fun episode. She warned us right before we turned the mics on, like, guys, just, I'm known for being weird and having weird conversations, <laughs> and we're like, we're going to embrace this yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh, Patrick Swayze, ceramics, uh, dead rock star tattoos. Uh, we are, we go all over the place with this one. Yeah, the whole taxidermy thing really surprised me. It really I did. I did not see that coming. No. So uh, hopefully we've teased and piqued your interest to this point. Yeah, and she and also if you don't know who Amber is, she's the proprietor of Midwest Mud. Yeah. When and like she did this episode, she recorded this right before she did some classes. So uh, she's moving into a new studio. Keep track of her. At the end of the episode, she gives away all of her social medias. So uh, take a listen to this episode and uh, prepare to get the most excited you've been about ceramics in a very, very long time uh, on a deep dive here on JJ Meets World with our special guest, Amber Parsons. JJ Meets World. Amber Parsons, welcome to JJ Meets World. Hi. You're another apt studio member. And so this is what, like 15 steps from your studio to come over here to yeah, see us? It was a really long trek. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm <laughs> glad that you made it yeah. in the dead of winter as we're recording this. Um, so Midwest Mud is the name of your studio. What do you guys do? Uh, well, I've kind of gone through a few different phases of Midwest Mud. Uh, I started in 2009 um, as just a space uh actually a studio space like this where i rented to other studio members um then i had children and then it just became me making ceramic work and now i teach classes so midwest mud has kind of gone into i teach ceramic classes to the community plus i do uh, my own studio work. So. People, uh, are, are they using the little spinning thing with clay? Oh, the wheel? Like in ghost? Yeah. Like oh, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, do people ghost all the time? You know, we talk about ghosting. The yeah. wheel that I have is an electric wheel. The one that they have in that uh, scene is actually a kick wheel, which would be really hard to ghost because you're like 
kicking and your body's yeah. moving. You're, you're kind of, you're, so, you're just, <laughs> just, for every turn, that's, what's would, motiv- that's what I, operating it is. Yep, yeah, okay. it's, your, it's operated by your foot. So I would actually like to see the ghost scene done, I think, like in real life. I'd I like, want to see it. I'd like to see if, if, if Demi Moore and Ghost, Patrick Swayze, oh, tried a few other uh, things before making clay. So, like, she tried sewing and it wasn't working yeah. out. He yeah, they're like, this is just not that. romantic. No, yeah, she was doing paper mache. They were making and... sh- shrinky dinks. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing really erotic no. about shrinky dinks. No. There could be. There could be. There, I, I mean, pasty, I guess. Pasty shrinky dinks? Come on. <laughs> Isn't that what they said? One of the. No, they were using 3D printing now. We had some of the Valkyries of the Valley on, and they yeah. said that they're using 3D printing technology now for their pasties. So mm. they're really. It, they're in really there. 21st century. Pasty technology has come a long, long way. way. I was wondering where pasty technology had gone, you know? <laughs> where are the scientists? Yeah. We got the seedless watermelon, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Yeah, the seedless. <laughs> or the bananas that taste like grapes. I mean, yeah, what's what? the, Are they just soaking those in <clears throat> grape I juice? Is that all they're doing? Actually, I think they're genetically modifying. I want to so, try that. Yeah. I really want to try that. I mean, that. sometimes you really want a grape, but you don't want the grape texture. I thought we were running out of bananas, though. I thought bananas. Are we running oh, out I of thought bananas? Yeah, we are. We're well, over they, harvesting bananas. The rate that my son eats bananas. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was <laughs> I something about like the bananas that we've genetically modified don't so don't propagate the way that they used to. They're, they All don't. Right. Do, bananas, bananas, strawberries, a lot of the fruits that we have today. Uh-huh don't taste anything like they did 25 years ago. And so if you think you've tasted a strawberry, you really haven't tasted like what the strawberry was because we figured out a way to make them perfect. Also, pumpkins. We got a problem with pumpkins Mm. because everyone chooses the beautiful pumpkin. Yeah. And those seeds are the genetic makeup of a good-looking pumpkin. So the only pumpkin seeds we're planting now are from the like weird-looking pumpkins. But that's mostly just an aesthetic choice right yeah. that's not the quality of the pumpkin innards itself no, but right? uh, but eventually we'll have only like craggly looking pumpkins because we're not taking those other seeds and planting got it yeah. we there's just gotta actually, like dial it back it's the same thing with apples like there's over 500 species of apples but there's only like a very small handful that are sweet and they're um, saying i was watching this documentary it was like the intelligence of an apple so they all started out being sour you know not really palatable and then all the animals were eating the sweet ones and then they would travel and then defecate and you know that so those sweet ones would that makes sense yeah i mean can we face like that's how i've grown all of my apples what people don't realize is the story of johnny appleseed wasn't him like with this basket of you know seeds throwing out like he was just going and pooping everywhere he was just pooping just pooping he eats the whole apple core and everything he was and then he poop everywhere (laughs) he was uh, a transient of course and you know he had to stay at a lot of people's houses so yeah um, and that plumbing wasn't what it what it needed to be yet so no no certainly not at that time (laughs) and so then everyone knew oh he must have stayed here because you've got a new apple tree growing in your front yard yeah like yeah (laughs) Drop trowel right there and made it happen. You know, we don't really talk a lot about like those American legends that we created all those years ago. Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill. Uh, Nobody talks about really like Paul Bunyan much anymore. Like, where's a good Paul Bunyan movie? John Henry. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You're just thinking of Tall Tales, the yep. Disney movie. <laughs> Aren't those it? all the big ones, though, right there? Well, I mean, you got Johnny Appleseed as well. Is he not um, in that? Oh, he's not in that he's movie. He's not in that one. No, that's right. That was huh. for the sequel. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, that was Patrick Swayze. Yep. 
ghost. Rest, Patrick rest, rest in peace, Bringing Patrick Swayze. Full circle. <laughs> I wonder if he ever pooped out an apple tree. I don't know, but nobody's put. People can put baby in a corner now. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if you could say, <laughs> no one's watching the corners for baby. How amazing no. would that be, though, if you were like the 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 strain of apples that I sell comes from a tree that got pooped out by Patrick Swayze. Oh my God, that would be the golden tree. Yeah, absolutely. I already yeah. know what you call those apples. The Swayze Day apples. The Swayze Day apples? Swayze Day. Mm. So Get some Swayze's. Swayze's. <laughs> yeah, they, Swayze's are in season. If these aren't Swayze's, I can't have them. <laughs> are, are, is this a caramel Swayze apple pie? Because I prefer Swayze's. I'm not a Pink Lady fan. Right. No. Pink Lady, is that based off of Grease? I don't. Nope, I, have, nope, I have no idea. Nope. No. You so you're telling me you don't like the movie Grease enough to know that the name of the female gang was the Pink Ladies? No, I knew that. Oh. I just I have no you don't idea know about but, the apples. Yeah, I'm not really a. I mean, I know about apples, kind of. Pink Lady apples wouldn't do it for me, but pink uh, lemonade, like the Starburst Ooh. flavor. Mm-hmm. The Starburst flavor. That's the. That's what I want. Yeah. Does if it, you could make an apple that tastes like that, like the way Starbursts taste, yeah. Maybe. Just like how there's like we call Starburst things apple. we call things the Starburst apple. Like we say, oh yeah, this candy it's grape. Well, no, it's it's purple. It's purple flavored. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pur- Dimatap. So flavored. what what it's flavor do you want? Red. Oh man. I want Dimatap flavored. Dim- I actually, as a kid, because I love Dimatap so much, I I hope my kids don't hear this. But uh, so when I was little, I got into the medicine cabinet because I knew that the Dimatap was up there. I drank a whole bottle. Whoa. Of diamond tap, but I don't remember what happened. After what does, that. I don't even know what. <laughs> of course, you don't remember. You drank a whole bottle. Of I don't even know what diamond tap so does necessarily. I don't think it's actually. I think it's just sugar in a bottle. That's all uh, it to is. To be honest, I never give my kids that because I don't think it actually does. Diamond tap is so yeah. delicious. It's though. so delicious. It's so good. Well, I don't want to get them on the diamond trap train. <laughs> is that what? Is that what goes into purple drink? Oh, purple drink. Scissorp. Is mm. that what that goes into that? I don't know. I'll have to. I, my favorite purple drink is Purple Source Rex from the Kool-Aid Corporation. Mm. Really appreciate that is one. It, isn't it cough syrup in the Flaming Mo? Yeah, that's the secret ingredient is crusty brand cough syrup, and that's apparently what makes it like light up the way it does. I've always assumed oh, that, that cough syrup tastes like Diamond Tap, but mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah, because uh, cough syrup. Mm, I so mean, Diamond Tap is really the only one that tastes <laughs> awesome. Because you I'm can not- Robo Trip. Can you Diamond Trip? I don't. I don't remember. So maybe, maybe, maybe my brain was too little. You know, too under. Maybe all of this has been how, a hallucination. How old, how old do you maybe. think you were? I was probably five. Five. Yeah, five or six. I was like, you know, just it's at the beginning of my memories. So yeah. <laughs> when I was seven, I broke into our medicine cabinet and I ate an entire jar of Flintstones vitamins. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> those things were delicious. Yeah. Now, I remember I had some unsettling bowel movements for the next couple of days <laughs> after that. Um, Tucker, did you ever break into your medicine cabinet? No, I never did. I was a good kid. I, I respected the Mr. Well, Yuck Amber sticker. Amber and I aren't good kids? You were not. Yeah. You what? did not respect the Mr. Yuck sticker. We were experimenting with over-the-counter medications. Actually, so when I was little, probably littler, because I don't remember this. This is just my mom, mom folklore about me. But uh, uh, I guess I had drink drank Vicks Vapo Steam. Oh, my. I, I just remember I was really thirsty. <laughs> like, is from, you know, my, I, who knows this if, if this is a real memory. But so I, I was really thirsty, and I, I guess I had gotten underneath the bed. I had pulled out the Vicks, the, like the Vapo Steam stuff. I took the <laughs> bottle out and I drank it. And 
they took me to the emergency room and they thought my mom was trying to poison me. Like, cause they're like, no child would drink this uh, at her own free will. And then they gave me the charcoal to make me throw it up and I just drank it. I was like, come on, bring it on. <laughs> so you, you've, you've got like an iron gut. I can drink pretty much anything. <laughs> can I hold uh, it down? Eh, but That's you can another you can for sure swallow it. I like, for sure yeah, swallow it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I had to go to the emergency room because I was chewing on a glow stick like in my bunk bed, <laughs> and then it opened and I drank a bunch, and I was like, yeah. "Mom!" And I opened my mouth, and the inside of my mouth was all glowing, <laughs> and so. Uh, she took me to poison control. She called poison control, and they're like, "Well, you know, we act- we don't have that in our booklet here, like our binder of things that like are yes or no's." So she probably go to the emergency room, and I went to the emergency room. Looked at, it and they're like, "Well, I mean, he's gonna have a very upset tummy because this glowing phosphate is definitely an irritant, <laughs> and other than that, he's gonna be fine." What'd your poops look like after that? Were they I glowing? thought that they were gonna glow. They did not. Did Aww. you try turning the light off though? I did. You did. Okay. I did, and I also did when I peed too, and that ended up with a horrible like pee all over the what seat a and toilet letdown. thing. Yeah, what a huge letdown. I did though have a guinea pig, who <laughs> you had a. I had a guinea pig when I was younger. Oh, and I'm understanding what you're saying. We now. broke a a thermometer and so we were playing with the oh mercury <laughs> and the guinea pig ate a little bit of the mercury it's sweet. is it sweet yeah, it's sweet so there you go and so the guinea pig did not die it did not get superpowers but and i i but it got kid, lead poisoning well so i <laughs> or mercury poison i kid you not this is absolutely true for the next 2 days he pooped blaze orange little like oh, guinea pig guy. poops and so I was like, what is happening inside of this guy right now? It is such an unholy, unearthly color. I just love it. We broke open. <laughs> a thermometer. we were playing with the mercury. Well, it's yeah. cool because it's like. Right, right. Yeah, it splits yeah. in your hand. Uh-huh. And I mean, like, we know a lot about mercury now, but. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that now. Not as much anymore. Um, my parents, like, that used to be like a science experiment thing when my parents went to high school was everyone, like, got mercury to play with on their desk. And it was fun. And it was neat. And nowadays, like nowadays, you break a thermometer open, and it's like they they evacuate the school. Yeah, it's like a hazmat deal. Yeah, they got the people in the suits come in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, let's go back. Let's go back to ceramics. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of took a trip. <laughs> so that's the beauty of this show is like it's all tangents. It's I, so you never know where we're gonna go next. That's kind of uh, usually a conversation with me. <laughs> So how how do you get into something like ceramics? Because uh, it's like getting into hockey as a kid. There's a lot that you need. It's not like painting where you've got some paint and a brush and you're good to go. You've got to yeah. have like material and things and like an oven. And a knowledge. You have to have a kiln, yeah. Um, well, so that's kind of the cool part about what I'm doing is me offering ceramic classes. I offer people the opportunity to see if they love clay, you know. Um, but I actually, I graduated with a degree in ceramics from MSUM 2009. Uh, I just really loved it a lot. So I wasn't going to not do it. So I just started acquiring 
I put all my feelers out into the world and just kept acquiring things uh, to run a studio. So A degree in ceramics. How many yes. other people graduated with you in the ceramics oh. department? Uh, I think there's like two or three other people at that time. It's so, becoming more popular now. Well, I, my point is like, so now you have kind of cornered a niche at that mm-hmm. point, right? So it's right. not like engineering where there's a thousand engineers, bo- you know, yeah. I graduating. Do my husband sometimes that uh, I'm a ceramic engineer because no. you have to a ceramicist. I'm a, yeah, yeah. Well, because he has a degree in engineering, so I'm like I'm an engineer too. Yeah. Just like you say, you're an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever study under Brad Bachmeyer? Uh, I know Brad, but I never. I studied underneath Kelly Center and uh, Will Shinker. Okay, Brad yeah. Bachmeyer was my art teacher in high school. Oh, I love Brad, and he was one of the best teachers I've ever had. Yeah, and I need to bring him on the show at some point so I can apologize to him for being such a failure my senior year. Yeah, because my senior project, I just you know just didn't do it because I was you know senioritis and all that stuff yeah but I should not have wasted my time with a teacher like him because he's just fantastic he's great yeah and his work is amazing too yes Uh, he does these giant pots Mm -hmm. I they're just awesome and then he does a lot of raku firing which is something what's raku uh, so it's where you you're you're firing in the kiln your kiln gets to a certain temperature and then you kind of disrupt the atmosphere so you pull your pieces out in mid fire so they're like blazing hot and then you quench them in like hay or you bring that temperature down real quick and it causes some things to happen to the glaze like this um iridescence uh, if you see any pots that are kind of like earthy looking, but they have a little bit of iridescence to them, those are generally a raku firing. Did you say hay? Hay, like, yeah, like hay or straw, or um, you could put it in sawdust. So you're like huh. you're you insulating. Can't put it in just water. No, that would cause a lot of like that's too fast. That's too rapid. You want to just kind of like smother it a little mm. bit. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so are you do. Are you doing this like with big like oven mitts or like, I mean, how are you removing it from the fire? Like are you using like clampers? Tongs. Yep. So you'd have a tong to reach it out of the the kiln and then you'd, you know, stick it into the, some, some um, people will have like a kiln where the, they raise the kiln up, uh, like the exterior of the kiln. So you have all that hot stuff right there and then you can easily quench it, you know. Uh, I say quenched because my husband's obsessed with knife making and we've been watching... Um, Blacksmithing, uh, basically. Y- yep, yeah. Yep. So uh, we watch whatever that show is. I can't remember what it's I'm called. I'm obsessed with eating and so I've been watching a lot of like dry aging with butter techniques. Mm, that sounds really good. It is, it is. Because that so. helps you age it faster, right? So d- d- no, it's just a method of dry aging and what it does is the butter kind of creates this like... Um, uh, I guess like almost like a seal around mm-hmm. the meat. So dry aged beef just on its own will look a little darker than dry aged beef when you like cover it with butter. And I mean, you're covering it with butter. It's like a half inch butter around the entire thing. And it'll give it an interesting flavor, like a more silky flavor. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. I watch a lot of YouTube <laughs> videos and I'm like, I want to eat steak right now, but I guess I'll just have this Jenny Craig instead. <laughs> Dang it. So Amber, my my grandmother for the longest time used to make porcelain dolls. Mm-hmm. And I would actually, when we'd go to Kentucky, my sister and I would each make them with her. And so we'd go through the process of she had like molds that we would fill with the porcelain and put it in the kiln and take it out and like, you know, I guess we'd glaze it and put it back in or whatever it was the process we did. Do you ever 
work with with material like that or is it pretty much clay um okay so that sometimes we make jokes like that's called grandma wear uh or scratch and bake um because i mean you're pouring molds there's a lot of technique to like you i took a class where we made our own molds so like mold making is super fascinating i think um i don't do that process but i am going to be (laughs) gotcha uh i have um i'm actually going to be starting a new studio space down on university um where my business partner is going to she's into that mold like she's into mold um, painting and stuff like that i'm more into the construction building i do a lot of hand building i do wheel throwing but it, i prefer to hand build so. wheel throwing is where you put it on a wheel and then you yes. like form yeah. it into it, like yeah you just you ghost it zip huh? it up yeah how do you okay so if you're making do you say vase or vase 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 good yeah Whew. Thank God. Oh, we're, we can be <laughs> when friends. you're making a face and you've got a lump of clay there, how do you get it so that it's hollow on the inside? Um, well, okay. So when you're starting out, you're going to start with a your clay, and you want to make sure everything's center on the clay. So the wheel is spinning, and it's spinning all those molecules around, and you're just putting a little tiny bit of pressure. You're barely touching it. You have to open up the center. So usually I'll make a tuna can, and then you find the center and make a little belly button, and then you push down, you open up the bottom, and then you pull the sides up so uh but i mean it's very subtle movements everybody wants to be it it takes a long time to get uh a good pot you know a Mm -hmm. a good vase or vase um usually like when you're starting out in a degree in ceramics they make you throw away your first hundred pots you just throw them away just, you're just forming them and you're then just you're learning doing the process. And yep. forming them and doing something Just else. like if you've ever learned how to play a musical instrument or something like that, it's just the repetition. Your body will just rem- – you have muscle memory. So I uh, I played the alto sax in sixth grade, and there weren't enough alto sax. So it was three alto sax, a baritone sax, and then a another instrument altogether. They're like, well, you're all woodwinds, so we'll all put you together I in the same baby class. baby JJ saw himself with the sunglasses on TV. I did – so and I got in trouble because every day I like my warmer was like and that's all I would do over and over and finally my teacher's like you can't do that anymore and then I was like well when are we gonna learn flight of the bumblebee and he goes you'll never be able to do flight of the bumblebee did you ever learn no no guess what I quit band you're like fine yeah and I remember like I in when I was in band you had to do early morning being a part of band meant that you had to be part of like the big band ensemble, which only met outside of school hours. So you'd have to come in twice a week at like 7 a.m. and have band practice for 45 minutes before school actually started. And I remember thinking like, this is crap. This isn't fair. I don't want to be here early and with people I, you know, I don't know anyone else who's in this band because they're not part of my classes. And then I was the only saxophone in that band. And so if there's ever a moment where the sax sounded bad, it was just because of me. Do you ever play an instrument? Uh, I tried. Actually, my husband just got me a guitar because he's learning how to play guitar. Mm. And he wants me to also learn how to play guitar. And and you couldn't just use his guitar? You had to have yeah, two different guitars? I think he just wanted a new guitar. Oh, and he... I see how that is. <laughs> so, uh, I do, I've tried to play it. Uh, I mean, I've, I have learned a little bit, but I wouldn't call myself a, 
no- I'm a novice. Yeah. I know a lot of times the, one of the problems is that they say you need to really like callous your fingers yes. and stuff. And I was like, I don't want callous fingers. Yeah. I don't want my soft. I want my soft, Baby. you know, like my, yeah. <laughs> like in the uh, Mice and Men, I want to be like the farmhand oh, curly like who wears the- a hand <laughs> to keep it soft. Yeah. What did you know? the, the velvet glove or whatever yeah, like that's lotioned? Glove. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I remember that. I just remember in that book um, when they called her a tart. And I oh, yeah. learned what that meant. And I was like, oh, I can't believe they made us read that in school. <laughs> did you know ever why. did you ever call someone a tart? Like, did you ever use that knowledge then against another no, human being? No, I haven't. But maybe I will. Yeah. Quit being such a tart. Yeah. See, here's the thing. <laughs> if someone told me that, I would take that way more as uh, like, not an insult necessarily, but as life advice yeah. than something else. Because Anyone could call anybody else a derogatory name, but when you choose an old timey derogatory right. name, right. you're it's, really pushing it. Maybe I you need to teach acknowledging old man trap. Ah, raspberries. <laughs> I should teach my 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 children have been calling each other the today's terms, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, in public, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe I'll just teach them. I'll, I'll try to mind wash them. I'll give them a bunch of Dimatap, erase their mind, and then reset them with old time. Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Tell, you should tell your husband, I will learn guitar with you if you ghost with me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think he always wants to. He bought a white set. Uh, but you get to be Patrick Swayze. But, oh, my God. I yeah. totally would PS him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna he's you wanna go d- PS he's gonna DM in the, while you PS. Yeah, you, know? you wanna go get I'll DM me while I PS you in the ceramic studio. You know I don't think that she had married Bruce Willis at that point, but maybe they were dating. So could you imagine being Patrick Swayze and like watching Bruce Willis like sitting in the back kind of pissed off watching you film that scene? Well, it's an easy choice between Swayze and, pa- and Bruce Willis, I'd say. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Patrick I think Swayze so. has a, had a, a certain confidence because he was Patrick Swayze, mm. you know, so I don't think he... He was like, Bruce, I have all the... The lush hair, yeah. you know, like <laughs> got the dancer's bod. Yeah, you know? it's like, do you want to do you want to have an arm wrestling match, Roadhouse style? <laughs> I think that Patrick Swayze is one of the best little like '80s filmographies of anybody, from Dirty Dancing to Go. It was Ghost in the '80s, maybe early '90s at the very latest. Um, Roadhouse, uh, he was just all over the place. And he was an action star, but he also recorded hits like She's Like the Wind. Oh, <laughs> so good. Um, what I'm saying here is I miss Patrick Swayze. Yeah. And like he hadn't been doing a whole lot in his later years that I was super impressed with, but I still miss But he Patrick was doing Swayze. it while he had cancer. Yeah. You know? like, that last role of his yeah. where he is super gaunt is really hard to watch because it's I mean, you you feel like, oh, my God, I'm watching someone die. He had a cameo in Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, didn't he? I don't know. I think he has a cameo in that movie. Oh, yeah. As his character from Dirty Dancing. uh, Dirty Dancing is one of those movies that I've watched probably 80 times. You and my mom. In my entire life. Yeah. My mom has watched that movie a million times. You know what character is my favorite? Wayne Knight, the comedian that they hire to be at the resort all summer long <laughs> making jokes. I also love at one point, like when the band leader is leading for um, I've had the time of my life, they like he leans back and looks over his shoulder. And it's one of just like I try and copy that all the time, but I'm never going to look as good as, I, as that band leader looked. Never. <laughs> not in a million years. Um, Amber, let's talk about other Patrick Swayze projects that you've enjoyed. 
Oh, okay. I'm just, no. Uh, I'm trying to think of some good ones. <laughs> I feel like you've uh, covered it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also the one where he was like, a, he's like a thief and he has to take care of his kids and they go on a cross country adventure to get something, but he's like got a leather jacket. That's a good one too. That's a, that's some good Swayze. Oh, really? No, I know. I don't know that, for that one. Movie. Um, <laughs> so, uh, have you all? Uh, have you always been into working with uh, things that need to be put into a really hot oven? Uh, actually, I've I've been really into uh, a few different things. I I worked with some dead things for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah, I did taxidermy for a little while. Um, my, uh, which was fun. My wife's father does taxidermy. Oh really? And they're out in a rural area. And so one of the first times I went up to her folks' place, we were watching their house for a couple of days while they were gone. And I said, I would like, you know, like a treat. Could I go, you know, have an ice cream bar or something? She goes, yeah, sure. There's a freezer. And so just go grab it out of this big chest freezer. So I go in there and I'm like, oh, sweet. Look at this. Two different kinds, fudge and vanilla. I'm going to have one each. And so I there, and then there's a big black garbage bag in there, and I'm like, "What's that?" And so I'm just about to open it, and she goes, "And don't open any garbage bags," <laughs> because they were all dead animals oh, yeah. that Pete had been saving to work on. And this one was a tundra swan She's that he was them super excited. Ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's in a plastic bag. <laughs> right, exactly. Like uh, you, the trouble is, is if it looks like something tried to poke out of the plastic uh, bag, in which case you find out that you put a live animal. Oh, that maybe would be. You got to put a little bell on its toe or something. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> is that the cat? So what kind of uh, what kind of taxidermy were you doing? Um, I actually I did I just apprenticed under uh this guy named Scott Thompson out in Eagle Run. Um, I just helped him cape out deer. Like when it was the busy season, mm-hmm. I would just. Uh, flesh out the capes for him. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, so, term. you, um, when you, t- I would skin the animal heads basically, and then you, you want to get all the any extra meat off. So, I would just kind of like clean the capes um, before we'd send them to a tanner. So, he never tanned his work uh, at home. He always would send it somewhere and get it tanned, and then he would um, get them back, and then I get to watch him do his magic put it on the form but isn't that interesting it is super interesting actually the first time so the first time that i did the tech you know like i was watching scott do his thing he just did it he would like skin the head in like 30 seconds it just was so quick and then he's like okay i'm gonna let you do this next one and uh and it took me like three hours and i was struggling (laughs) and you have to like uh go up through the septum to get to the eyeballs and you don't want to cut the tear ducts and stuff uh and i remember i was I, w- I just have a, a maybe a morbid personality, but like so I pulled oh, back. Oh really? You think? <laughs> yeah. So I pulled back the the cape, and you know, like the eyes are closed, and then all of a sudden it's surprised looking, and I was like, <laughs> and so he he actually because I when I when I met I met Scott because I was um, a tattoo artist at Dead Rockstar, and I I I said when I was working, I was like, uh, I really want to do ta- taxidermy. I learned how to do it, and that day Scott walked in. And he was getting a tattoo and I told him, I didn't know what he was doing. I was just talking out loud and he's like, I'm a taxidermist. So That's crazy. I'm just this like weird, crazy girl um, playing with this deer head. Like he walked in on me going surprised, <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> surprised. <laughs> and he was like, he invited me back. So <laughs> why, did, awesome. why did you decide not to stick with taxidermy? Um, because I wanted to, well, actually I started doing ceramics. I was in school um, getting my degree in ceramics 
while I was working as a tattoo artist. So I was kind of just all over the place trying to figure my life out. Okay. And I love... We all go through a taxidermy what? phase. Yeah, we all just yeah. go through that taxidermy. Absolutely. I was actually thinking the other day, I was like, I kind of... I think I'd like to get... My, my husband's really into hunting now, so... Uh, oh sure it would you know maybe bond our relationship more if i got back into taxidermy he did certainly save you a lot of money well you know we do have a dead raccoon in our garage because he shot it with an arrow because and he thought that i would you know taxidermy it for him Mm. it's just i don't have a hat i i would make him a hat hat. i want a hat that'd be cool (laughs) uh, when did you work at dead rockstar so i worked at dead rockstar well i started working there when I was about 18 and I worked as just the front counter girl. And then on my 21st birthday, they offered me a position to apprentice as a tattoo artist. And then I worked as a tattoo artist for, uh, I think I worked for about two years as a tattoo artist. Yeah. So this is going to, you worked on the, at the 45th street store, right? Um, yep. The one on 45th. Yep. Yep. So I was trying to think, I'm like, you look familiar and I can't understand why. It's not because I got tattoos. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a tattoo because I change my mind about stuff so often that I think like I'd get a tattoo and be like, I should have gone with the duck. <laughs> Dang it. Um, <laughs> but I worked at Take Two Video for a long time. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure that you would buy like a pop or something. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I was always get that vitamin water yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I recognize yeah. you from. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I uh, would see a lot of people, you know, like you tattoo a lot of people and. Uh, you like I always recognize people or people like oh do you remember this I was like I don't remember don't. back don't in the remember. day didn't you have a show on Radio Free Fargo I did that's yeah. right um, me and Sabrina that's right at yeah. the same time that we were at KNDS too so really? we probably ran into them from time to time although they weren't on Wednesdays <laughs> yeah, when we were on I don't remember what time we were on I do remember my biggest fan was my brother and his friend Kevin uh, and they were the only ones that ever called in. <laughs> and I, it made me like they were in high school, and so they would stay up, you know, because we were on at like eleven. I'm pretty sure we were drinking a you lot were, of wine you there. Were a lot. Yeah. As was I think Raul. Yeah. When they had the HBR show for a while, and that had to oh, get boy. stopped. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. That was so much fun. I think I was I was uh, twenty twenty one at that point, so. I mean, yeah. we just enjoy it, right? We had uh, entire episodes where all we did was play, what was that, pass around game where you had to get people to guess words. Couldn't tell you. Like Balderdash so, or Balderdash, something like yeah. that. And so, and I'm in radio now. We had even less idea then than what we do now. Right. And my idea, like, when I think about some of those shows, I'm like, I had a lot of fun, but I bet that was horrible listening. But now we've graduated listening. I actually listening. think about that same, we, I have some recorded, like, my brother would record our our um, sessions, because he was just really obsessed. And then he had a radio show called The Russian Predicament, uh, which is funny, because I, um, there's this weird picture of my brother doing this weird pose dressed with like this mustache and I was like you look like a Russian predicament and that's why they named it that but uh yeah listening to me and Sabrina banter back and forth and our weird accents that we would make up was <laughs> I'm surprised anybody listened that's the beauty of KNDS <laughs> is like some of those shows are just awful but I think that I think that has a wider listening audience than you would expect yeah right? You like well, cab drivers who are like, I can't listen to this Kelly Clarkson song anymore. So they'll flip it over and they'll just be like, let's go for the ride, baby. Yeah. What are they talking about today? Uh, it kind of makes me think like thinking about wide audiences like uh, with Midwest Mud. Um, I didn't realize how like 
I, I'm not very good at social media, but it's like it. I've been reaching this broader audience with being really sucky at like social media. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, like all these people, like uh, all these people are interested in doing ceramics uh, that I would never expect to be you know, that, that are listening <laughs> basically. It is, you know, we're living in a world today where, uh, our parents' generation knew that like, if you wanted, if you wanted to be, get the word out, you took an ad out in the paper. Yeah. You got uh, maybe a radio commercial and at best you had a storefront that people drove by all the time and finally were like Midwest mud, I should pull in there. But you can reach people from all over the country yeah. or next door in the click of a button. It's just really amazing. It really is. It's almost kind of scary sometimes like that it's uh, like you have so much power at the tip of your fingers, you know, like uh, you just have to know how to use it. Really. Yeah. Uh, I usually use my power to promote different foods that I'd like major corporations mm. to make. Like, for example, the... Uh, the inside out meatball sandwich I've been pitching to Olive Garden for years where they take a meatball, hollow it out, shove a breadstick through, and so you eat that and then you can eat the side of the breadstick. <laughs> like corn on the cob. It makes like sense. A corn on the like cob, a skewer, yeah. a skewer it's like uh-huh. a meat. It, would it qualify as a meat on a stick? I then? think it would because it's a breadstick. <laughs> so. It's a breadstick. Uh-huh. Yeah. It yeah, takes meat like on a stick to a whole new level. Can we get pretzel bread at all? Oh, without a doubt. Okay, I'm, Here's on, the thing. I'm on board. You could match the type of meatball you want with the type oh, of breadstick you want. So if you want something garlicky and you want a meatball that maybe has like some, you know, like more Italian flavor, or maybe you're like, you know what? No, I want a ballpark style thing. So I'm going to use like, it's going to be like pretty much like sausage meat. Would it be possible to make, you know, like the uh, the pretzel sticks you can get at worst? Yeah, Wait, mm. but get... the, the pro- or what are they called? Are they pierogies? No, no the pierogies are, are like, like little. Are the little? They look like raviolis. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you get those, but then somehow get meatballs cooked inside of them, oh, so you just have this 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 full pretzel stick when you bite into it, it's got beefy center. Oh, that'd be great. And some marinara That's in there. How I feel about scotch eggs. Do you guys like scotch oh, eggs? Oh, I love scotch uh, eggs. It was my preg- my last pregnancy. I just had crazy cravings for scotch eggs. I tried to make them at home. They're hard. They're it was very not hard a make. good idea. It was not satisfying. <laughs> I was like, this just made my craving worse. <laughs> um, in Fargo, for a long time, like scotch eggs were kind of hard to come by, and no one had them on the menu. Thank goodness Boiler Room does. That's where I go. Uh, Fargo Billiards and Gastropubs got good ones. If you're ever in the Twin Cities, Brit's Pub has Brits. the best ones. They're so good. Mm. So good. Yeah, I love scotch eggs. Um, Usher's House had them, and that's how I found out about them. Oh. And I worked there, so... Yeah. Did you work with Aaron Duma? I love Aaron Duma. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron's wife Emily and I mm-hmm. go way, way back to the point of where like I was going to high school parties when I was too old to be going to high school parties. Hey. Um, <laughs> we, but what are you gonna do, there. right? Yeah, I went to prom when I was twenty-one. I mean, no, oh, there you go. <laughs> where did you Where did you go to school? Uh, where did you go to prom when you were twenty-one? Okay, so I, I went to West Fargo High School and I was working uh, at Dead Rock Star, and there was a girl that was really obsessed with me and she asked me if I'd be her date for prom and like did she work there as well or no, just she was just a high schooler and oh. she she was obsessed with you well I don't know I guess that's what I would say like she asked me if I would be her prom date right okay that's and pretty you know yeah so I because you didn't know her outside of her coming into dead rock star right no, I knew her like I, we were acquaintances. We weren't like. She's like, can you give me a new tattoo? I wanted to say Amber. Yeah. Is that like, okay? Right above. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. How's that raccoon coming? Oh, it's dead in the garage. <laughs> the dogs keep finding it and. 
oh, chewing no. it. That's a bummer. And then having horrid <laughs> diarrhea. So it's it's <laughs> real pleasurable. I'm super excited. Is the arrow? Please tell me the arrow's like still in it. I no, I don't think it is. But he, I, he was. So we live out in the country. Well, we live two miles north of Harwood, and we have all this acreage around us. So he was out there sitting and bow hunting, but he couldn't get anything. So he or he couldn't find a deer. Uh, our deer weren't coming near him. But there was a raccoon, and it met its end because he was trigger happy Got or it. whatever. Got it. Bo, bo happy, <laughs> like, string happy. happy. I've been out here all day. I'm going to go home with I'm something. I'm something. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> and it could have been like it could have been a squirrel. He said he felt really bad, bad after he did that, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I get it. Because it wasn't a deer? Well, yeah, because and also it was just a cute little raccoon. Mm. He need wasn't hurting anything. Right. It's always... just a murder panda, you know. <laughs> if you have chickens. <laughs> uh, I always feel bad because every time I've ever killed something like that, I always think, like, I hope this wasn't the mama. I know. <laughs> because, like, I get a Bambi moment. You've gone hunting uh, before? Uh, yeah, when what I was is... a little kid. And then really? my dad stopped taking me hunting when I almost shot myself in the foot when a field mouse ran over my boot. And I went, oh! Bang! Into oh, the ground. Oh, God. That was a horrible aim. I've <laughs> only God. ever killed fish because uh, I go fishing every summer and I clean the fish myself. But it's gotten to the point now where I've started to empathize with the fish while like, I'm, I'm cleaning so it. Sorry. So I need to start killing because like, uh, my grandmother, the way she taught me, is you just take the fish, you start cutting into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not trying to kill it first. You just cut into it. Yeah, because the, the meat's fresher. The then. meat's fresher. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, But now I've been seeing that people will actually take their fish and put them in a cooler with ice and let them die in there, there. Oh. for like 10, 20 minutes yeah. and then take them out. And actually it helps firm up the meat as well, which oh. will help clean the fish. So I'm going to have to do that now because as I was cutting into these live fish, I just thought, oh God, I'm an evil human being I'm for just, what I'm doing, but this is going to taste delicious. You're going to taste so good. It's going to be fine. It's going to be very it's gonna good. It's going to be fine. <laughs> very, Thank very you good. for giving me your spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, your power. As a tattoo artist, did you like, is it weird to be like, oh, I've seen that person's butt cheek and like, I've seen this person practically naked. <laughs> I used to be a nude model for MSUM oh, as well. So yeah. just like the Sabrina. Sabrina met? Um, yeah, you were, we met you were at, nuding together. We were and nuding then... together. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I honestly, I would be naked all the time. I have no. I don't care about like nudity. Doesn't surprise me. You can't make me feel uncomfortable. So I, well, <laughs> yeah. we just recorded a podcast for you. Earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> we, really we did. We, uh, Tucker's got some great ideas for upcoming films. <laughs> so to me, it's less the nudity and more like the actually like working on like someone's oh, butt cheek that so would bother me. Sometimes the smells. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there was one guy. He wanted a. a gun tattooed on his butt cheek and I just couldn't handle the smell of that his was butt happening. Cheek. Yeah. And so I, I was like I folded up a paper towel, I was like, tape this to your balls. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I taped the other part right up there. <laughs> I was like, now we can continue. <laughs> I would I mean, did you ever uh, nude for a class while you were swayzing? Uh, no, but that'd be interesting. That'd be pretty interesting. Um, Have you ever seen your, like, uh, your form hanging anywhere? Uh, I actually traded, uh, some modeling time for a drawing, which I really love. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. And also when I was pregnant with, um, my first child, the professor was like, that would be so cool if you could come in while you're, you know, super pregnant. That was really uncomfortable because being super pregnant is uncomfortable, but it was it was well, cool and ha- to see and having to maintain that same spot because like yeah it, you sit for how long? 
30 minutes. Were they, or were, so. were they like, okay, listen, find a comfortable spot. We're not going to have you like, you know, do this weird like thing because we already know that you are uncomfortable to begin with. Yes. Yeah. They were, they, I just kind of stood there and I got to take breaks whenever. But yeah, it was, I, I just, I don't know. It's really like, I just don't care about being naked. My kids were all about being naked. All my kids. We're a naked yeah. family. We leave all the windows open too. Sure. Damn. We, damn. Yeah, that's we, not my upbringing at no, all. No. I'm very ashamed of our bodies. No, for no. sure. Oh, I, Except my dad. He's pretty free. But I actually can't sleep when I'm wearing like pajamas. Like I'm yeah. a full on naked sleeper, and then like I get ready in the morning and yeah. I'm walking around the house naked. And the only time it's ever bit me in the butt is just recently. We're we've been watching a dog for a friend. And so my wife was like, you know what? We got this outdoor nest camera for Christmas. Why don't we put it in the living room? And that way we can watch all if our dog is getting along with the dog we're watching. And so she puts that camera in there. And at like 3.30 in the morning, our little poodle was like, I have to go to the bathroom. So I opened the door and I go downstairs with him and I let him out the back door. And he came in and he ran into the living room because he wanted to grab this bone. And I'm like, no, no, no. And so I, I go into the room and I'm like, no, no, George, come on, come on, George, come on, George. And then suddenly I look up at the camera and I'm like, oh, no, I'm naked and recording myself. And Did you do a dance? male nudity. <laughs> so you might think, well, that's no big deal, right? We share an account for oh, with balls. Nest with my in-laws. No. And so and then it, it this records for 30 days. It holds it for 30 days and it puts these little blips when there's no. motion. And so I'm like, well, the odds of them watching this live are slim to nil. But I wonder if they are like looking through and being like, oh, there were no blips for eight hours except for this one. I should maybe click on it. Well, what does it look like? And so I emailed the company. I'm like, is there a way to get rid of a chunk of this? They said, well, we could. what we have to do is purge the whole account and then you'd be fine. And so I was like, because uh, then that looks even worse. And then I got to explain like why we had to purge the whole account. So I decided... I'm going to leave it there and just roll the dice. Yeah. Maybe they won't look. Maybe or, they won't look. Or, or you, maybe they will and they'll be like, <laughs> you that's look why she made it. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so have you ever been to like a clothing optional community? If you like no. being naked all the time, have you ever thought about it? No, but I, I would be, I think I'd be fine with it if I was invited. I'd I go. <laughs> I've talked to some people who like that's how they vacation is in clothing optional communities. They bring their whole family with. They say it is so just nice and convenient. Yeah. They said like you don't have to do laundry every day, <laughs> and you, it's like you still wear shoes because the ground is rocky. Yeah. But you just get to enjoy it. And they said, and the nice thing is, is when you shower like. And then you go out there and you dry off and then you're like, now I don't have to put anything on that has like detergents on them and stuff like that. They're like, it's amazing. Yeah. I think one thing that I did like about uh, nude modeling is like uh, you like when you're laying there naked and everybody's not naked, it's like you have the power. Mm. And also you can really like it's like your skin is a whole like your skin is an organ, you know, and you can feel all these things around you. You can feel people moving way over in the corner, huh. you know, because you can feel that air moving. Yeah, and I guess your senses are just heightened too because you're just you're you're you're, you're present. Yeah, and you're, you're very freezing present. cold. <laughs> is it is it cold? They don't like turn no, they up the give heat you or anything? They give you heaters, but so it, you have to it's like getting into a 
a pool you have yeah. to acclimate yeah do you ever like three days before you're set to do like a mo- like when you were modeling were you ever like 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 let's take a big mirror be like oh no look at this or i gotta bruise the day before no. or like i wish i could you know like not have this big pimple on my butt or whatever it happens to be, or do you just like this is what they're getting? This is what you're getting because uh, it's supposed to be natural. Like it's like when you go to a model for, it's actually really cool because they're not looking for like the perfect body type, uh, and f- for it, it's more interesting to draw something with curves or some mm. imperfections. And there was even a like a seventy year old lady that was modeling too. So you get. You just have to, it's all in your own head. Is it yeah. always drawing? I mean, is there, say, like, like? I mean, I know it takes a long time to do something like sculpture, but you're mm-hmm. also not necessarily going, it's really with the artist, how they want to interpret what they're seeing, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. So, I mean, nobody is drawing you perfectly. Like, I mean, if they I don't would, want to, if they don't want to, yeah, right. they could draw you however they, you want it. I did it both for NDSU and MSU. So I did painting and drawing, um, and it is kind of cool to see how, like, how people view, are viewing you, you know. But so. I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, a class that they're actually doing clay sculpture oh, to, to nude models. Yeah, I don't and, think there's any of that around. Right. And Maybe I would that's assume that's what I need that, to do at my new studio. I would assume <laughs> that because of how it takes to just make it, you'd probably get much more abstract pieces. But I think it'd be interesting to see what people came up with, too. Like, yeah. what it is that your nude body was inspiring them to make. Yeah. 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 And maybe we don't have to just keep saying nude body too. Maybe like, what your body, you know. Your body with no clothes, your clothesless body. Right. But like, I mean, you know, we're, I guess, do you get my, what I'm yeah. kind of going You're for saying here? Your like, body is your body. Your clothes are not part of your body. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I would totally pose for a class if I could wear all my clothes and just be watching Netflix on a couch. So like you just want to want to make a picture of me fully clothed, Mo- doing what I usually do. That truly is what the modern man aspires to maybe, be. The Taco maybe Bell generation. Maybe they just uh, use your imagination and imagine yeah. what I look like imagine naked. I'm naked. <laughs> be like and be, okay, be very giving five to me. Nipples towards the, lo- the lower half. <laughs> Give me some confidence down there. Um, did you ever have a tattoo that didn't turn out the way you wanted or the way the customer wanted? Oh yeah. 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 What's it like to be in that situation? Um. Well, there was one where I had her proof the writing. You know, I had her. You always have them look at it, and so I put it on her. It was not the right thing. Oh no! So I had to on the fly come up with a solution. So I just like turned it all into flowers and then put the words underneath. Like, so it wasn't exactly what she wanted, but I'm like, this is what you're getting. <laughs> I, I suppose you see plenty of that too, where someone's like, okay, I got this. I don't like it as much. Is there something we can do to fix Make it? it? So you were, I assume you've done a lot of tattoos 2.0. Yes. Yeah. You do a lot of fixing. I'm sure a lot of people have done fixing on my tattoos. I mean, I haven't done it for so long. Um, it's, is it kind of fun to be like, it's one thing to get a blank sheet of paper and a pen to like come up with an idea. It's a, something else altogether where you already have to go off of a design. Design, yeah. I, I'm actually I really love problem solving. Like I like figuring out how to come to a solution or you know to a problem. So um, there were a few times I did a really cool t- uh, lion head that I had to work. I think I was covering up a flower or something. My aunt has this cover like this tattoo that she's already had covered up 
and she wants me to cover it up again. We call it the turkey bush because we're like, what is it? <laughs> she had it. Somebody had gotten a tattoo or she had gotten a tattoo in somebody's basement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot, you, you can buy a tattoo gun online and a lot of people do that. And, or I would have a lot of people say, yeah, my friend has a machine or be like, Oh, don't, don't go to their party. Like, oh, my <laughs> uncle is taking our wedding photos. He's got a really nice camera. He got yeah. when Best Buy closed. <laughs> um, as you as you move on in a creative field, it's got to be kind of exciting because I think a lot of people out there are like, well, you can you could never do that. You could never really like put all your energy and and heart into something like Midwest Mud. That's just a hobby. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually. Uh, so my husband kind of feels that way, mm. but in my mind, it's my wife feels that way about all the stuff I do too. Yeah, it's to not a hobby. No, <laughs> I'm I've been doing it since for you know a long time. It hasn't gone away, so I don't think it's ever gonna go away. Yeah, I feel like a so. hobby is something that you just use to sort of fill the extra time you have. Yeah. What do I want to do with this thing? But if something is truly important to you, yeah, it's super. Like I couldn't stop doing what I'm doing if I wanted to. Right. Even though, like, I mean, I've fallen on my face a million times. Uh, but I always pick myself back up and just keep going. So, uh, Chumbawamba, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Chumbawamba. <laughs> uh, yeah, with my kids also, I think it's really important uh, for them. Well, actually for them to see failure, for one. Absolutely. Because um, it's totally okay to fail. Because my daughter, we, we were go- she's really afraid of things not going right. And mm-hmm. I tell her all the time, I was like, when you fail you learn something you know hopefully um or if you lose at something you're actually winning because you're you're learning you're not just you know just winning all the time is is not helpful jj and i have had a conversation like this a few times because we have a lot of friends who they're they're great people they've got great ideas they're all artists and but they typically don't then follow through usually with what the thing they want to do is and i would bet a large part of that is Fear of failure. Yeah. Fear of of finding out that wow, I'm not actually as great right now as I thought I was. I could get there, but I have to trudge through a lot of failure to get there. Yeah. I feel like that holds them back. JJ and I have both kind of leaned into our failures mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in our lives, <clears throat> um, which we've done a lot. But that's helped us. Yeah. Only helped us since then. Well, that's where like I'm opening up this new studio and I wasn't planning on it, but I had all these people pushing me to do so. And uh and I'm totally terrified. I'll is, be completely honest. Right. Terrified of doing it. But I feel like I've done it in the past. Um, and I learned so much. Because, I mean, they weren't, like, super successful. Um, I totally fell on my face a few times. But I think this time I can come back and learn, you know, from those mistakes. Uh, I even, like, career choices. I, I've never really fit into a particular career. I think ceramics is the only thing that I can do. Uh, but, um, so I took a huge risk, uh, not too long ago, right when I first started, um, in apt, I was a financial advisor with, uh, um, New York life or I actually, they called me a financial advisor, but I would say I would just wanted to be an insurance agent. Um, that was like a 
super big risk for me. And Your resume I, is crazy. I by know the way, because Amber. I just want to find where I, you but know, it's like, awesome, yeah, I just want to know where I'm supposed to be. Um, but I'm not supposed to be in the insurance business. Mm-hmm. Imagine sure. that. Well, they always were pushing you to be a financial advisor and mm. I didn't, I'm an artist. Right. <laughs> yeah. What do a, I know about that? I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, I thought it was silly. So I am always, it, it actually made me realize like that is not like I went down a real bad road there. So, um, it's, it's interesting how you can feel so uncomfortable too, you know, right. like you're completely exposed, completely uncomfortable, but I'm still learning. So I did so many things in my life that I was only doing because I thought, well, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That made me feel like crap all yeah. the time. Yeah. And when I finally got rid of it, I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's right. You know, my yeah. life is whatever I'm going to make out of it. And so if you don't want to sell insurance, don't sell insurance. Right. I didn't want to work in the collections agency uh, after yeah. one day of working at a collections agency. And I felt so much better. It's like you get rid of this burden when you think like, no, 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 I'm making my own. I'm making my own map here. Right. Well, like with like, I, I think that like me doing the insurance thing was like the biggest uh example of that for me was um like I was making so much money but I'm just not a money driven human being so um I like they kept on trying to like get me to give them numbers that I you know goals that I wanted to hit and I was like I could tell you numbers all day long but I'm just not motivated (laughs) to do it like I will do this job because it gives me the freedom to be here at my studio (laughs) like that's really all that I um that I ever really want so so Tucker in a previous podcast something like money is just the means to do what you want to do or something like that i think it was something along the lines of uh an aphorism i heard someone say about millennials which is that millennials um work to live not live to work yes and so the the time that you put into something to gain whatever money you need to that's just so that you can enjoy a life versus Mm -hmm. my sole goal is to accrue that number is to get that money in well like my dad um he is like i grew up with like my dad being like crazy financially driven you know and i just see and i hope I don't know if he listens to this, but, you know, I don't think he's very happy in his life um, right. because he's got you can acquire so many things. And that's your never life. enough. Right? It's yeah, never enough. You're always acquiring more things like I would rather spend time with my kids or spending time together or like like when I get to make something, I I'm so excited. I'm so like liberated. I just want to show everybody you feel right. this pride in yourself. Um, I just want enough money to be free. Right. Yeah. To be free of the grind. Yeah. That's all I need. I don't need a big house. I don't need fancy. I don't want those things. Yeah. Uh, but I want to be free for my time to be mine. Yeah. You know, like right now I have to do eight hours a day for a company because that's just what, how a job works. Yeah. So that's eight hours of my day that's theirs, even though I'm getting something for it. I'm converting that time into currency. Yeah. But I won't be able to hold on to that currency for very long. Yeah. I think, you know, like uh, one thing I stress out about this new studio is like making all of the pieces financially fit. And that is, you know, where you have to be mindful about things financially. Um, But my and I was telling um, when I was talking to a few people about the studio space, like I could just like go into it with the mind that I just want to make a bunch of money, you know, and farm out studio spaces to people, whatever. And but I don't I, I think I would rather just put that money back into the studio space and make a really sweet studio where uh, 
I have like, <laughs> not, it's not just about me, but just you get to have like all these resources and you have a nice facility to work in. Um, so I think, you're offering an opportunity to other people too. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, you've, you've been around here long enough to know that like, we're living in a very exciting time in Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo. Yeah. Because Stuff like apt did not exist when I was younger, which yeah. is one of the reasons I wanted to get out of Fargo is I wanted to go to some place that offered me the opportunity and the space and things like that. And so you're a part of that culture now, which is hopefully insourcing people to our community who say like, gosh, I really want to get into ceramics. But yeah, outside of college, it's really expensive to it's... rent space here or to rent time. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the there's a laundry list of reasons why I can't be a part of you know, this kiln or organization, I don't have the money to put it in my own home. And so now, boom, they have an opportunity to come with you in mid mud. Right. Yeah. I, and, you know, um, I know like the Plains has a great facility for ceramics, but there's almost too many people now that are into ceramics that are looking for a place to just work. It, it is you have to have a very you have to have the right space to be able to to work on clay. Um, cause it is messy, you know, mm-hmm. so it creates dust and you have to try to keep those, the dust down and, um, yeah, just all the equipment is a lot of equipment. So, but, um, hopefully my space grows into something where people are happy coming in and taking classes. I, I actually, I think I'm going to have open studio hours so people can sweet. just come in and, That's sweet. um, you know, just work on stuff if they want to. I've had quite a number of my students, they, they're repeat offenders of my class. Um, <laughs> and they, I've had multiple people tell me that um, working on clay, coming to my classes, uh, like they suffer with anxiety and stuff like that. And coming and creating helps them alleviate that anxiety. Absolutely. And I'm a sufferer of anxiety. So I think that's what clay does for me. That's why I hold on to it so tight. Oh, so. and that's a, that's a perfect way to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Amber, if people want to find you, uh, you've got a new studio space. When do you guys anticipate to open? Um, well, we still are in the process of mm-hmm. getting everything together. Uh, we will be opening in, well, af- I wanted to make a good transition out of apt into the new space. Um, so in, look for me in, around June, I would okay. say, is when we're going to look. And you said it's on open. South University? Uh, yes, and I can't remember the address off the top is of my head. It's by anything? Yes, it's, it's right um, just west, um, northwest of Quartz Plus. Okay. So, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, cool. just down there. It's a really, it's going to be, it's actually, the space is a lot like apt, uh, oh, just cool. with, you know, with a garage. Okay. Um, so just smaller. That's yeah. all. Nice. Yeah. And uh, website, social media presence, if people want to find you. Um, so I had just built a website. Cool. Uh, m- it was uh, a Wix <laughs> website, but it's, uh, so it's Midwest Mud uh, Ceramics. Dot com uh, and then um, you can find me on Facebook um, at Midwest Mud. I think I have my Instagram account is Midwest Mud Ceramics. So really, any Midwest Mud Midwest related mud. thing, you're probably gonna find you out yes. there. Yes, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a guest, and hopefully one day Tucker and I will take your class and we'll uh, fire fire something. Yeah, yeah. You and I got a Swayze man. Yeah, oh my yeah. god, you guys should totally. Mm-hmm. Come I'm Swayze. Demi Moore. We both know. I yeah, am. Oh, without a <laughs> doubt. Sure. Without a doubt. <laughs> for sure. Thanks, Amber. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, 
She's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, Natalie at HatchRealtyFM.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's LiveFargoMoorhead.com. Read all of her amazing reviews and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash JJ Meets World and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com, and you can find direct contact info for JJ. When I was a little kid, my friend's mom had these really delicate decorated eggs, and they were hollow inside, like someone had poked a pin and pulled out the egg and then decorated the outside, and they were really, really nice and like very fragile, and I broke one when I was a little kid, and I never told anybody about it, and I've always wanted to know, did she know?